Do you want to capture meaningful conversations that you care about? Spotify for Podcasters allows you to make a podcast super effortlessly, distribute it automatically everywhere, completely free, and even earn money doing it. Did I say free while making money? What happened to capitalism? Use your phone or computer, hit press record, upload, and start creating today. You can also monetize your podcast super effortlessly through features like ads and subscriptions through the platform. If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for Podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters. Spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. You know, entrepreneurship, I believe, is the greatest self-discovery and self-improvement program there is. You will find yourself and find out who you are to see if you're made of resiliency, resourcefulness, and the right attitude. And I think all of those three things are very key. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Discover More. We have an especially special episode. Exactly one year ago, we had our first guest, Tu Pham. He said that a year ago, he will be retiring from his 9 to 5 time job and he'll be investing full-time into his identity as a real estate investor. And that symbolizes and represents a very special milestone in both of our journeys. It has been exactly a year since we started this podcast as passion project. And it has been exactly a year since Tu said that he would achieve the American dream before he hit the age of 30. So Tu fam, thank you for spending your time with us and welcome to the show. Thanks, Aiden. Uh, thanks, Ben. I uh, appreciate you guys having me back on. What's up, world? My name is Tu Pham. I'm a real estate investor slash entrepreneur, also an aspiring social uh, media influencer. I recently retired from my job as of March 31st, 2020, and I'm glad to be here, back full circle, ready to take on the world. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here. Well, A, we would want to encourage anyone to go back and check out our initial episodes that we did together just to get some context on your journey. But if you're here for it, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of value and context around your story. So what have you been up to since we last spoke? I know you had about four, four properties last time around with the intention on retiring within a year. I know we continued working together at our last company up until last March. So I know a little bit of color, but really... What has the last year looked like? The, obviously, the retirement must have been a huge thing. What have you been up to? So the last time we recorded, uh, I had what six, I had six properties. And um, leading up to that, like three months later, going into the November, December 2019 timeframe, I was in the process of acquiring three buildings. Uh, one actually closed in December of 2019, and two slipped right into 2020, January 3rd, 2020 to be specific. That was one of the most roughest moments of my life, I would say, uh, but in a good way. Uh, I feel very stretched and very stressed at that point. It was almost the most climatic moments of my life in terms of seeing how far I could go and, and, and to really feel what it takes to achieve a massive level of success. Just thinking back and realizing like, wow, this is what it takes. This is what other people go through who actually elevates their life to achieve such success. And so, I mean, right during that time frame, I was still working the nine to five job as an, a senior accountant. As most accountants know, that is the busiest time frame of the year, that December, January time frame, year ends approaching, auditors are coming in, we need to get all of our books right, and you know, the whole nine yards, so I'm getting all to the details. But just just thinking back and reflecting on that time, I mean, I had so much going on. I mean, I was, I was in the middle of closing three properties. I was simultaneously managing my tenants, 
uh, I didn't have a property manager at that time. And at that point, I realized I need to get property management in place. And that's actually something that I got them to do and actually work with me uh, a few months later, actually, after realizing that the business was significantly growing. So in addition to managing my tenants, I was also managing these buildings, managing my contractors, also dealing with lenders, my real estate agents, appraisers, all at the same time, including the Philadelphia Housing Authority, PHA, just so much going on. So even though I was so heavily focused on my real estate pursuit, I did not neglect what I did during my nine to five job by any means. I took it home, did it on the weekend, came back on the Monday and delivered the deliverable in a timely manner. Yeah, man, I distinctly remember having those lunchroom chats with you around that time. And when you were describing me the challenges and the adversities that you were dealing with, as someone who was also balancing a year end, I couldn't even begin to comprehend the outside struggles that it would have been. Because not only is it a nine to five, but during month end, it's a nine to seven where you're going the whole day. It's very time consuming and energy consuming. And I think any other person working in accounting or finance understands that. So for you to have this whole other business operating outside of work and managing it all from inside your cubicle is a remarkable feat. And one of the things that I definitely like admired as we were having those chats is the way you were framing those problems. And clearly seven months later, you were able to deal with them, but I'd like to explore the mental side of it, of how you were able to actually navigate those challenges, how you were able to frame them within your perspectives and ultimately get through them. The mental challenges, man, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, I think I first received these notices from PHA, the Philadelphia Housing Authority, about the possibility of my rent vouchers getting cut off uh, sometime in the ballpark of early January. And at the same time, the nine to seven job is just hectic. And so I thought to myself, let me look at this calendar. And I saw, okay, one of, one of my deadlines for the PHA with the lead-based paint issue, I think they had like a deadline of like, call it January 31st. I looked at the calendar. I pointed at January 31st. I said, too, you're going to be a much better place on this day. I know right now it's January 5th, but in 26 days, you're going to be in a much better place because I already know that during the course of those 26 days, there's going to be a shit ton of action on my end because I'm so stressed the fuck out <laughs> that in 26 days, everything will be just fine. And I think it goes back to the law of polarity, knowing that it can only be this bad because it's this bad. It will only become much better. Like it can only get better from this point on out. So to have that type of perspective keeps you very grounded. It keeps you very controlled in the process to not waver, to not fret, to, to be stable, stay in control. And, and also having done this multiple times over the last few years, you, you realize it's a constant state of panicking and freaking out and calming the hell down. And then something comes up, you panic and freak out, then you calm it down. And then when it happens so many times, you realize, too, you don't have to panic and freak out. You can just do it and be calm. So, um, and, and you can only get this with experience, man. Like, I, and I'm still learning to today. I don't know it all. I'm just wanting to share my story, my journey with the world out there to see what it's like to actually go through these challenges and the growth process that, that comes as a result of it. And I, I like to describe wisdom as the self-reflection of past experiences. And this is how I believe that I have become wiser over time. Like, you know, it, it has a lot to do with the experiences that transpires and that individual's ability to self-reflect on those experiences. It's like, what are you extracting out of these moments to make you a wiser person, to carry yourself with wisdom? And I wanna differentiate that between strictly knowledge because I think sometimes it can be interchangeably used and used synonymously, but with knowledge, I view as simply the acquisition of data and information. Uh, if I go on Google, read technical information, that's just knowledge. But to become wise must take time and it must take the ability to self-reflect on those experiences. Definitely, man. I think it's an important distinction because I know a lot of people are craving or seeking experience at all times. And at the end of the day, if you're not reflecting on those experiences, if you're just doing the experience for the check mark or for the 
beautiful picture to share with people. It's not really enabling change or creating that positive momentum. It's really reflecting, like you said, and creating or transferring that experience into wisdom. And the story you just told really reminds me of the vision that you just shared with us last time. It's you have that circle on a calendar date, right? That overall vision of knowing that you're working for that day. So that's a powerful mindset to have of this will end at some point. I'm going to become a better person during these next 26 days, like you said. And that's essentially what you did with the four-year plan of retirement four years, just on a micro basis. So not the four-year retirement plan, but a 26-day growth period or struggle phase, however you want to frame it. But you knew that on the opposite side, you were going to be a better real estate investor, a stronger person, and ultimately be able to retire. Absolutely. And I just want to echo what both Aiden and Tu said. According to our past interview recently with Sarah, uh, the co-founder of College and Teb, the one thing that she shared about in her episode is that entrepreneurship is not a quick scheme to success. It's not a shortcut to wealth. It takes tremendous amount of risk, patience, and perspective. And two, for someone who is in a lot farther journey out than Sarah is in terms of entrepreneurship, you created this vision that's going to last you four to five years to achieve the American dream, to retire from your nine to five job. And I think it's very important for you to highlight and share some of the vulnerable moments, some of the sticking points, some of the pain and growing points that you've experienced during the December, January period, because I think especially in today's 2020 world, everyone tends to put entrepreneurship and success on a pedestal that they only see the rainbows and sunshine and the glories of what it could be to become an entrepreneur or what it means to be an entrepreneur. So it's important and I want to highlight the fact that every pathways and every entrepreneurship comes with a lot of growth and a lot of patience and a lot of journey. So we really, really appreciate you sharing about the painful journey you've experienced about a year ago to eventually hitting that retirement point. You know, entrepreneurship, I believe, is the greatest self-discovery and self-improvement program there is. You will find yourself and find out who you are to see if you're made of resiliency, resourcefulness, and the right attitude. And I think all of those three things are very key. Uh, Resiliency, you you really have to uh, brace yourself for the impact and stand strong. Don't let anybody knock you over. Don't let anybody bully you. And I think I've picked that up from just you know, growing up as a student in the inner city of Philadelphia. And number two, being highly resourceful. I mean, don't play victim. Make the best use of what you have around you, whether it's uh, your surrounding resources, but more importantly, make yourself resourceful, right? And I think that's key. Number three, which is highly huge and I think oftentimes gets underappreciated or, or very neglected. Having that right attitude. Having the right attitude is so key. There's there's just so many people that I have come across in corporate America that just doesn't have that right attitude. And the attitude goes such a long way in giving you the the energy, the vibration to actually achieve your goals. It, you know, sometimes for most people it might feel very woo-woo to them, but Man, having done this for the last four years, it's so true. Letting the universe take its course and letting it work on your behalf, it's so key. And when you have the right attitude, you're just emanating this type of energy out there that the universe is going to say, Aiden, Ben, too. Man, we love your attitude. Thanks for putting this good energy out there. We want this energy coming right back at you. Here's what you wanted. Here's what you got. So a lot of the things you've been talking about represent like controllable and uncontrollable, right? You're not going to get stressed about the weather. You're not going to get stressed about the deliverables at work. All you can do is the Les Brown quote you said, do as much as you can do. And attitude really at the end of the day is the biggest thing that you personally have control over. And you can bring a new attitude to any different circumstances. And one of the things that you said that reminds me of an attitude is like embracing the challenges, right? So really like just how you use reflection to create wisdom out of experiences. You're creating the same wisdom just by reflecting through your challenges, using those as a building point and learning how to get better through them. And that makes me curious as to this is the first time you went through this. Do you think this period of January has 
altered the way that you show up for your problems for your tenants or your real estate business in general? Could you give some color as to what that challenge allowed you to shift to and how you deal with problems now? Yeah, 1000%. Let me let me just say this really quickly. So when you are tested, you are given the opportunity to show the world your testimony, right? So in order to have a testimony, you have to be tested. You cannot create and offer your true value and purpose in this world until you get lost in the service of others and become battle tested in the process. You know, just make the daily decisions that you foresee will give you the best chance of testing your inner self. And very recently, like about two to three weeks ago, I received another letter from PHA that one of my tenants was having unauthorized occupants uh, in the home, according to what they call an OAC investigation. I mean, what OAC stood for until I Googled it, it was like Office of Audit and Compliance. So I'm thinking like, what the heck, are, are they sending like agents uh, in a car sitting in front of the property checking to see who's living there, like during a pandemic? Like, are they serious? This is how they're utilizing their resources and funds at this time during a pandemic when people are, are facing um, an influx mass evictions. So um, at that point, uh, when I got that, I'm like, not again. <laughs> but I wasn't so stressed out this time. I said to myself, too, you, you've gone through this before. Like, there's no need to worry about this. And I had so much things going on at this time, too, just between trying to balance prospecting new properties, uh, managing certain tenants and, and, and dealing with my property managers and also uh, trying to branch out into this social media world too. So at that point, I spoke to my tenant about all of my points to PHA. So I made sure that she was going to file an appeal, put in a request for in her, her informal hearing. And at this time, my, my tenant was very uh, rattled. She told me that I've been on this for 18 years. Maybe I should, you know, maybe it's my time to get off. And I told her, hey, look, let's work together. All we can do is all we can do, like I said earlier, right? So let's just take the action and do what we got to do. So I made sure that she filled out her uh, request for an informal hearing and submitted it to PHA. She went to the building, dropped it off in a Dropbox, and I followed up with PHA on numerous occasions. So finally, they responded. They responded to my email and quickly addressed it. And finally, when they got my tenant's request for an informal hearing, I, I think it was like several days later, I logged into my uh, landlord portal account and I looked at the list of properties that I had under holds and abatements. So basically, properties that are in danger of getting their rent vouchers cut off. It magically just said closed. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I guess my tenant doesn't even get, have to get to the point of fighting her case because they saw such the amount of energy that was applying and pushing out there that they probably realized like, yo, this guy has a point. This landlord has a point. Let's just close this case because I even included some, I even copied some higher ups on that email chain to make sure that they see it since I wasn't getting much of a response. And so th even though this was the third time going through that process of having to potentially get my rent voucher cut off, man, it was so much easier this time around. I didn't even freak or panic. I just did what I did and I just let the universe take, take its course and do its thing and, and that's what it has come to. And then it just became another challenge I overcame. I love that story for a few reasons. First and probably most notably kind of the, just the perspective that you took, not letting yourself get rattled or shook, even if your tenant was very upset that she was potentially getting kicked out, but really like staying centered and knowing what steps to take to potentially resolve this issue. And then secondly, just small actions, right? Just one call and one email. I think a lot of people just get discouraged if they don't hear back or if their small effort isn't reciprocated with effort back, but you had one small effort on Monday, another one via email that afternoon, and then again on Wednesday. You weren't letting that lack of response discourage you. You knew what you needed to do and you continued to show up politely with good emails back and forth, not getting aggravated or frustrated with the lack of response. And the last part of the story that really stuck out to me is how you buddied up with your tenant and basically helped them fight this case. That really reminds me of the thing that you mentioned earlier of when navigating challenges, leading with service, right? So connecting to the people that need help. And I think that's representative of your whole real estate career, which to me makes it the most fascinating because I know there's tons of landlords out there that don't lead with service by any means, but don't really care about their tenants. And 
even when we were in the break room talking, you'd be telling me about how you're managing conflicts between two roommates and one left a wet towel out and how you're trying to bring them together and navigate and really like help them in their lives. Or I think you potentially tried getting a job for one of your tenants as well, just really going above and beyond that. All right, I give you a place to live. You give me cash. There was so much more into it that I'd like to hear your thoughts and experiences about. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> the one that you mentioned with uh, setting up her cash app and, and literally picking her up with my daughter in the backseat to drive her to Citizens Bank and dropping her off and like teaching her how to use an ATM. Yeah, it is, it's a little frustrating, but it's, it's an investment that I find very vital, not just in terms of my own financial success, but in also my, in my ability to help other people in just basically the, the daily things that they have to do in life, right? Just going to a bank and making a deposit. Like many folks in the inner city don't have checking accounts because of the monthly service fees that are required. And even if it's only $10 a month, man, like these folks, they need that $10. So, I mean, I think that oftentimes it gets overlooked. Like one of my cousin recently made a, a far-fetched comment about how like everybody ought to have like uh, ID, but little does he know that th there's a lot of folks out there that don't have the transportation, the, the money or the means to go take a bus, go to a DMV and, and pay for a driver's license, let alone even knowing how to read and write so there's a lot beyond the, uh, the business side, but the people, the human element side of it to help others and to uh, you know, make that type of impact. Definitely. And do you think that's evolving now that you have retired? Because I imagine when you were working the nine to five, it was primarily a financially driven idea or a financially driven mission. But now that you have all of your energy, all of your time to put forward into this real estate venture, has it evolved into more of that mission purpose driven? So I was wondering if you could walk us through that evolution process, if there is one, and even just how the retirement came to be. I would say it was mid to end of February when I received a performance review. Uh, I wish I brought my performance review with me so I could read some of it. It was uh, one of the worst performance reviews that I ever received. When I first received that, I got called into uh, a meeting with my supervisor and my manager, and I had no idea what to expect. I mean, prior to that, I received a what's called a final warning. It's funny because I got a final warning without ever getting a first or second warning, so I kind of saw the the signs on the wall and that you know they were setting up the stage to like boot me, and I'm, and I'm feeling the pressure from the universe hounding down on my back, telling me to that world out there needs you a little bit more than these four walls in here. We need you to go out there and do your thing. We need 100% of your time out there. Uh, we know that you're better out there to service all these families that uh, we want you to do this. And we are sending you this signal right now in the form of a terrible performance review to let you know that you gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and so walking into that meeting with my manager and supervisor, I had listened to some personal development things about this concept of mindfulness, and uh, the way I, like, I would like to describe it is it's almost like an out-of-body experience. So imagine this table right now, it's just the three of us, and this inner, call it soul of myself, steps outside of my body, and I'm looking at the three of us. So now there's four people in this room. And I did exactly that during the performance review. While my manager was telling me all of these negative things about me and apologizing for why my raise was so low, why my bonus was so low. I was so unwavered by these things that was transpiring literally right in front of me. It was almost as if like I slowed time down. I, I kid you not. And nothing rattled me. Nothing faced me. I simply smiled. I nodded my head. Eventually, it got to the point when once that meeting finished, that be careful to don't just pour anything into that mental factory of yours. Because I knew that if I was to read this performance review, there's this possibility that I could become out of balance on a mental and psychological level. So what did I do? I hacked it. I said, you know what? Don't read it. Read it later. So I took a post-it sticky note. I wrote on it. I said to myself, I will look back at this one day, and then I paused myself, crossed out one day, and it reads, I will look back at this when I retire from accounting in summer 2020 
to laugh at the critical comments I received from others that won't matter. Two exclamation marks. <laughs> and I signed it to fam February 27, 2020. And I had thought about it over the next couple of weeks. I pondered it and I think it was on March 17th when I placed my two weeks notice. This was actually like I think the first day. No, I think it was about three days into the official pandemic where we were working from home. So March 17, 2020, that was the day I officially submitted my two weeks notice. And March 31st, I officially retired from my nine to five job. And going into the pandemic without a nine to five job at first felt very weird and uncomfortable. Why? Well, because there's suddenly this nine to five block, this eight hour of time that was now completely free during the day. And I had no clue as to how to start my day. Do I wake up at eight, nine, 10, 12? When do I start? What do I start on? Where, where, like, where do I begin? So it took about maybe four to five weeks for me to finally become comfortable, get into a groove of things, just develop some sort of rhythm. It wasn't like there was a, it wasn't a regimented process where I knew what to do every single day, but it, it was almost like uh, running your business from a very high level perspective, just making sure that everything is staying afloat and everything is still operating at its max capacity. So once I retired in the midst of the pandemic, I developed a rhythm and I finally got property management involved where they were now taking some of the burden off of my shoulders. I didn't give them all of the properties because I feel like there were just a good number of properties where I knew that there was no need to give them to property management. Otherwise, I'd just be giving away free money because it was just very good tenants and I knew they were going to pay me. So there was just no need. I kind of gave them the properties that were more problemsome kind of using them as like a as an assistant in that sense but in addition to that having a property management on board some of my renovation projects had to be on hold for a couple of months so definitely delayed some things and also just dealing with numerous applications uh, seeking relief for uh, from the government loan programs that were out there such as the EIDL or the economic injury disaster loan that was huge there was this landlord working capital loan program I mean there was just a numerous and abundance amounts of programs out there that was uh, being offered to assist landlords in making sure that you know everything stays afloat so the whole idea is to get going and take action there's a Quote from Mark Twain, I believe he said that the secret to getting ahead is getting started. Yeah, too. thanks for sharing. And we think that is a very relevant quote, especially to your journey and to everyone. And I'd like to highlight a couple of things you've mentioned and a couple of skill sets that I think will pay a lot of dividends for the audiences. You said that when you first encounter your stretching and pain journey in the period of January, where you're getting hit by unexpected life curveballs left and right. You're encountering issues from your full-time job with the deliverable time, with the time of a peaking performance and work demand as accountant, and also from your project of trying to achieve that retirement, yet you're continuously encountering new additional issues every single week. Yet you were able to detach yourself from the moments of chaos. You're able to detach from all of the chaos and recognize and reconcile with the fact that it's January 5th now and you're encountering numerous setbacks and challenges and issues with both your full-time adventure and your retirement slash real estate adventure. Yeah, you had this ability to detach from the chaos and to view everything through a lens of objectivity. You told yourself, hey, things are rough and things are hitting a growth slash pain slash stretching point. But 26 days later from today's date on January 31st, everything will be all right. And I think that's an important perspective to have. But also the fact that you understand yourself and you're self-aware to the point that you're not going to just jerk off for the next 26 days. And things are not falling apart, but rather you're focusing disproportionately on the micros, on the day-to-day -day functions. You know to fam, you're going to deliver and live up to your standards. You're going to mask the demands of your circumstances with your effort. And with that mindset, you're able to maneuver and navigate day-to-day -day challenges, week-to-week -week challenges, so that 26 days later, everything turned out to be all right. 
because to highlight the quote of all you can do is all you can do because of your mindset, because of your effort, because of you're not going to be shy away from the challenges, but instead face those challenges head on. You know that in spite of how stretched and stressed you are, you know the type of person you are 26 days later will rise up to that challenges. And I think that's a powerful mindset where when you first came onto the show a year ago, you introduced the concept of paralysis by analysis, where you're not being paralyzed or being crippled by so much thinking and too much thinking, but you're able to create a plan that's matching up to the type of actions you have designed to achieve that plan. And that speaks to the volume, that speaks to everything you were able to achieve since you were on the show and through your experiences and your storytelling of how you were able to navigate and overcome the challenges of January and so on, which eventually led up to your retirement point on the March after you sent out your two week notice to your boss. So two, it sounds like numerous mindsets have played important roles in your identity as an entrepreneur and a real estate investor especially with your most recent adventure and accomplishment of retiring mid-pandemic. Can you share a few mindsets that have played a significant role in your life most recently in your retirement journey or uh, in the life of Tufam? Some of this mindset development actually stems from the intentional act of learning. You have to actually seek it out. And I stumbled across what's called the 12 universal laws. And one of the 12 universal laws is called the law of polarity. And this really stuck out to me just given the situation that I was going through. And like I said, wisdom is developed from a self-reflection of past experiences. So the law of polarity reads, the most important thing to remember is that absolutely everything has an opposite and that it's a very existence of these opposites that allows us to understand our life. Consequently, when you go through something difficult, it will be this thing that helps you truly appreciate the good developments to come. So by regularly reminding yourself of this, you can improve your resilience in troubled times. For example, though a bad breakup is painful, it teaches you that what doesn't work for you in a relationship, helping you to eventually find what does. So in the real estate world with the challenges that I'm going through, I know that there's better times ahead. And because I believe in these 12 universal laws, and I believe it just as the law of gravity, man, uh, it's unbelievable what has taken place and has manifested in my life from believing in these universal laws. So part of that mindset development is through intentional learning. But more importantly, to get yourself through these types of challenges, you, you have to build and acquire wisdom from your past experiences and at the same time also bring in knowledge and information to make you more fully equipped armed and ready to go to fight the battle out there i love that you brought up the idea of the law of polarity because that's seen across philosophies across history uh really like the seasonality of everything every winter there is a summer every light there is a dark really reminds me of the work of Alan Watts, who argues that both light and dark are actually the same thing. He kind of argues that everything is inherently one. The good is the bad. You wouldn't have the bad without the good. I'm sure you wouldn't be able to enjoy the thrill of retirement if you hadn't struggled throughout the way. It's, you know, the good is created by the bad times, which is a really awesome philosophy to have. And like you said, Earlier in the conversation, there's no testimonial without the test. There's no benefit without the true struggle that you had to get through or the challenge that you had to overcome. So I'm really curious, as you've officially reached that four-year mile mark, that huge milestone of retiring at 30, what have you seen on the other side? What's the big lesson that you've learned or reflection that you've had on that four-year heroic journey? I would say... One of my bigger takeaways from this four to five years is the power of belief. Your belief has to be undying. It has to be unfuckable. It has to be untouchable. Nobody can say anything to knock it down, to put it to pieces. It has to be your cornerstone, your foundation to everything that you do. And in order to create this belief, right, on a physical level, you have to change your attitude. Now, attitude is something that I would probably describe as flipping a switch. 
Now, somebody might say that they don't like to fake an attitude or, or, or be somebody that they're not. And in my case, it, it's, it's not necessarily being somebody that I'm not, but looking back at the times when I work on my personal development from what I've heard and learned is that in a way you have to brainwash yourself. In a good way, obviously. You brainwash yourself for the better. You put things into yourself that you now intentionally believe in these things that you did not believe in before. With this change of attitude, it just changes the vibration in your body, man. It gets you to do things so differently. It gets your mind sparking in a certain way that uh, leads you to solutions. So attitude is so key. Uh, I wanted to mention back on a moment with a colleague that I used to work with. He was like a mid 40 year old guy, uh, senior accountant. I think he's been there for like 12 years. So I expressed to him the idea or the concept of retiring in four to five years through real estate. Long story short, laughed at me. Uh, actually, he kind of made a mock of me and said, I get it too, your, your altitude is based on your attitude, right? <laughs> the funny thing is four years later after I wrote retirement email, and I specifically labeled it retirement email, I made mention to that. I actually shouted out to him telling him how much I appreciated the energy that he provided to me several years ago when we were training in the interns because it was that energy that I needed, that doubt from him that I needed in order to get me going. And in reference to that email, I mentioned to him, you're right. Your altitude is based on your attitude. And during that four-year process, that four-year journey, I kept my attitude sky high. And because of that, I am now where I am currently today. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Many people can take these moments as very negative. I took it and flipped it on its head. Anytime you receive these experiences, these moments that the universe is placing in front of you, you got to take it in a way where you're blessed and grateful for these moments because it's going to lead to an evolution process, a development process, a change process, a time for growth. So I look forward to every experience and challenges that comes my way. That's awesome. So you concluded and you've attributed a lot of your success and the pinnacle moment of retiring officially mid-pandemic, a lot of that to power of belief, to power of actions. All of that is true. However, all of this has to be founded and started upon the basis of affirmation. And a lot of times we talk about with all our guests, we talked about with one of your mentees, Monte Fowler recently, about the importance and the power of affirmation, of having someone instilling that plant of seed, instilling that belief that, you know what? I affirm your beliefs, I affirm your actions. I believe in you. And you were able to instill and plant that seed of affirmation and belief onto Monte and many of your other mentees who benefited tremendously from your wisdom, from the type of experience you have carried on with you. But I think a lot of times, many of us neglect the power of self-affirmation, right? We often like to plant that seed of affirmation, of telling other people, I believe in you. Yes, you can. But a lot of times we neglect that and we negate that to ourselves. We never take the courtesy or the grace or the opportunity to tell ourselves, yes, I can. I believe in myself. So with yours, yes, power of belief was a thing. The power of action was a thing. However, you had the audacity and you had the ability to dream and tell yourself, I believe in myself as two fam. I believe in myself as a real estate investor. I believe in myself that when you had that conversation with this person four or five years ago, he heard doubts and he was skeptical and he laughed at your dream. However, you didn't let that rattle or shake in your own belief because you believed that I will be able to achieve this. I don't know how, but it will get done. And with that, I want to ask you, you were able to bless so many of our collectives and so many people, including our guest and friends, Monte, with the power of mentorship. And I wonder how is that mentorship has played out throughout your life? Or even if you didn't have mentorships growing up, what gave you that mindset or the power or the courtesy to become a mentor for someone else and instilling that power of affirmation onto other people? Because I think it's equally important to believe in other people, but also believe in yourself. So I wonder if you can use this story and everything else to tie up and talk about how the role of mentorship has played out yourself and what has transpired and inspired you to become the type of mentor you are. 
Mentorship has played a huge role in my life. I became the person that I am as a result of what I have poured into myself. And in this real estate journey, there's there's a lot of challenges, right? There's a lot of issues, concerns that pops up on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And so there's this quote that says, if you feel helpless, begin to help others. So you can't feel and harbor both emotions simultaneously. When you begin to help others, your bodily actions dictates how you will emotionally feel. So let your body trick the mind into success and happiness. And so that was a key for myself in getting through the last four years. I'll say that again. If you, if you feel helpless, begin to help others. If I'm going through some shit with PHA or with, with the city. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's relaxing to me to sit down with somebody, talk to them, help them get off, off their feet and see the progress in their mental state and in their physical environment. And to see that change from A to Z, it really gives me fulfillment and joy in knowing that I can really make an impact simply with the words that comes out of my mouth. And so when I started to realize and see a lot of that as of late, it made me really think to myself, am I this gifted? Am I this talented? I mean, I was getting a lot of that feedback from folks in the past. So recently I got a LinkedIn connection from a random person. Uh, his name is Jovan. I actually didn't know the person at all. I, I thought he was just like a recruiter or something. So I connect with him and, and, and immediately he sent me a message. And let me read it. It says, hey two, thanks for connecting. I just finished listening to the Discover More podcast you participated in twice. It was very motivational and resonated deeply with me. My brother and I are looking to start real estate investing in the PA area. So maybe we will cross paths down the road. Thanks again for spreading the knowledge. And when I read that, I was like, wow. Maybe I do have this ability to create an effect on people simply with the words. So there's this quote that goes, you can't grow yourself unless you know yourself. And through this mentorship process, it's almost as if somebody's holding up the mirror against you and letting you know that too, this is how you look. This is how you are are or talking and it really helped me to know what qualities to place a high level of conscious effort on to intensify and bring out more of who I already am. So recently one of my good friends, uh, her name is Vic, she given me so much feedback about the podcast and, and the things that I have said that it, it's really helped me to, to discover more of who I am. And I think by knowing more of who you are, it allows you to grow. So you can't grow yourself unless you know yourself. And I just want to highlight and repeat, I think a very important notion you just talked about, the purpose and the role of mentorship. You're not using these feedback, whether they're positive or negative, but in this case, positive feedback or flattery as a pat on the back, because I think it's very important for us to detach from both the good and the bad feedback and output, because we may get too caught up in the the world of flattery and circle jerking about how good you are as a mentor, right? You're not using that, but rather you're leveraging and you, you're leaning into the power of simply seeing feedback as of how you can improve and how you can recognize and validate your own strength. Because I think it's very important to celebrate the little wins. And especially among men, I think it's very important for us to celebrate the strengths and the, the wins in life. And we've received so much positive feedback about the role of your mentorship from Monte. We've seen numerous screenshots and emails and messages you've received since the release of our episode. And I know your ideas and your journey and your stories have transpired a lot of positive changes in a lot of these strangers or some of your mentees. So that I think it's powerful to talk about the idea that you're simply viewing the mentorship, you're simply seeing the process of the mentorship as a lens and as a mirror for you to carry yourself better, to be better, uh, to know yourself better. Because as you talked about, entrepreneurship is the greatest toolkit and avenue for self-discovery and self-improvement program. And likewise, the mentorship is also the greatest avenue for you to self-improve because you're being validated about the thing you know you're already good at and now you're getting a direct feedback and updates on the areas of your life you can also improve yourself on to also better other people in their respective areas in life. 
Yeah, that's an awesome point, Ben. I really like the idea that you mentioned of, you know, detaching from the validation of it because I think it is important that it does provide a mirror and it doesn't provide feedback, but to what Tu said, it also provides fuel, most importantly almost, because not only, excuse me, not only the positive of other people lifting you up saying, hey, this is a great message, keep doing what you're doing, to what you said about the senior accountant who is doubting you, you can also use negative feedback for fuel, whether that's the doubt or the haters or whatever it may be. You can kind of utilize feedback and mentee mentorship relationships to fuel both the positive and the negative. So I know that you mentioned the recent developments in your social media presence. I kind of want to dive a little deeper into how that's going and what your mission for it is. What are you trying to create with this newly inspired social media platform? So after receiving all of these awesome positive feedbacks from others regarding this podcast and what I was able to produce and put out there, inspired me to help even more people. And in order to reach the mass audience, you you got to get on that social media platform. So I figured I did so much of my learning through YouTubing. And a lot of these folks are able to reach the masses on the digital level via YouTube. So I figured, why can't I do that? So I figured, let me start a YouTube channel that will not only educate and inform others through real estate education, but also incorporating this element of to motivate and inspire others into taking action. Now, it's just one thing to say, hey, this is how you do real estate and do X, Y, and Z, and boom, done. It's another thing to actually touch them at the heart and get their spirit going and put thought into action. That's very key. I love that vision, man, because one of the things that I've heard a lot is you should strive to help the person that you were as a child or as an upbringing. So to me, it sounds like you're trying to help the two fam that was learning real estate via YouTube, which is just an amazing and inspiring reframe, right? You were looking to learn real estate and luckily there is a lot of very equipped and interesting real estate YouTubers out there, but you would just make another awesome addition to them. You're helping the person that you needed at that time. And that was something that we talked with Monte a lot about is that a lot of the kids growing up in the inner cities just don't know what other avenues are. He said the path to wealth in the minds of the inner city kids was NBA star or rapper. There wasn't like any connection to building generational wealth through real estate or going to school and doing X, Y, and Z. So what you're doing is really showing that it is possible. You're providing guidance and like what Ben said, you're providing affirmations that it is possible, not just for you to do it, but for your listeners to do it. So I think that it's going to be an amazing journey for you to continue creating content and create a tremendous ripple effect on the Philadelphia inner cities, as well as listeners across the world. And I think it's an exciting journey for both of us to win this because uh, I think it serves as like a cool pivotal moment for you, right? You're able to dedicate and you had to dedicate 100% of your effort for the past four years to be retired, to be financially stable, to be independent so that you could fulfill the larger calling outside of the four walls that you described earlier to all of us. And we both could agree that YouTube will be the perfect platform for you because the amount of digital appearances and the amount of connections and the impact that you could have on other people is literally limitless and endless. So it'll be interesting to see how you deal with that shift in mindset and some of the plans that you have uh, through a YouTube platform in the future. So in terms of the uh, what the future is going to hold for me on that social media aspect of YouTube and Instagram, I try not to place uh, the joy in the future, but placing the joy in the present, right? Learn to find happiness in the current things that you are doing, even and especially if it is during your grind years when you are working a nine to five, you're going to tap into a deeper sense of happiness where it's as if time has slowed down so that you can enjoy the finer details of the abundance of what life and this physical world has to offer us. And I I think that's just very vital that uh, even though obviously we all have to create some form of a plan that is based on the future, we also have to then 
get back into our current present day bodies and savor and embrace the moment like today. First time ever doing a photo shoot. I think I'm like the least photogenic person ever. Like I, if somebody's taking pictures, I, I didn't care to get into it and be the center of attention. I was always shying away from the limelight. And, and for me to actually call this photographer, to pay him like thousands of dollars to do so much like video, the digital content of me with, with photography, B-roll clips, videos and drone clips. And he's doing like this 30 second intro of me. So leading up to all of that, I, I would have thoughts about the photo shoot coming up and every time I have this thought keep in mind now this is a thought placed into the future I'm getting anxious now my anxiety is growing at the same time I would also intentionally not think about it as a result I told myself to just wake up do your thing enjoy the moment have fun with it you live once you're gonna be 30 years old only once so there's nothing to be worried about there's nothing to be anxious about I think that's uh, very key. Don't place your joy in the future. Place your joy in the present. I was listening to a podcast this morning, the coach Brendan Bruchard, and he has the idea of making whatever environment you're in your playground. So whether it's making your office, the four walls you live in, making it your playground or making the phone call that you have your playground, really just bringing your full self or your full spectrum of ideas to that environment, that conversation or that experience, which it sounds like, you know, you went in with that mindset of really finding the joy in doing the photo shoot, finding the excitement in getting dressed up. And it really reminds me of doing the uncomfortable things, right? You said just before you started KPMG, you were going out and doing a dancing routine for spectators. And that was doing something uncomfortable. Similarly, going to take a photo shoot with a professional photographer in the middle of Logan Square in Philly is also very uncomfortable and probably pushed you out of your comfort zone. But really, it's doing those things that are exposing you to new challenges and ultimately becoming a bigger and better person in the process. So I'd like to echo Ben's question a little bit. Is Your plans for social media is to encourage joy in others and i'm sure you're doing it for a lot of purpose and passion and the joy of actually creating the joy of creating the videos that create change but what are some of the ideas or topics that you're going to talk about big messages that you'd want to convey to your audience obviously like you said enjoying the present moment making the most of that is it going to be mindset oriented, more like numbers based educational or just trying to give listeners like a sneak peek and even ourselves were curious as to what you have? I think it's going to be a combination of both between technical real estate learning and then the, uh, the component of motivating and inspiring others. But more importantly, I think one thing that I want to really have stick out there and resonate with many people is being ambitious and content at the same time, right? Most people who are ambitious aren't content. Most people who are content are not ambitious. Imagine what a powerful place you could be at if you were both. And when I reflected on my four or five year journey, I was so ambitious to get to that end point, that finish line, that retirement phase. But also at the same time, I was content with where I was at, whether, whether it was in year one Year two, year three, with one property, two property, or three properties. I was happy regardless. Happiness is a choice, and it's not something that you're going to be suddenly happy after four or five years. If you are operating under the mindset that you're going to be happy at the end of the road, you will not be happy. Number two, I would say do not restrict the financial bloodline. So release money that is invest into the universe for it will come back to you in multitudes. When I look at my life and even with the first property, it was a multi-unit. I had to put down 25% of the purchase price. After closing costs, I think I probably dropped like $37,000, $38,000. And I thought to myself, if I don't do this, things will be just about the same. I come into work next Monday, nine to five, doing my job, and yeah, life will be just about the same, but if I take on this risk, something better, something bigger might potentially happen. And four years later, 
being able to achieve the dreams and goals that I've set out for myself four years ago, coming to fruition, manifesting reality, it's unbelievable. So do not restrict your financial bloodline. Let it come out. If you clog it up, I mean, think about it from a physical standpoint. If you were, or if you were to just take one of your veins or arteries and just constrict it and, and hold on to it, you're gonna die, I think. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but the <laughs> same concept of money. Let it flow out. Don't operate under the mindset of scarcity for that's what many people do, do operate under. Operate under the mindset of abundance, knowing and believing that you already have it and releasing it out there. And like I said, it will come back to you in multitudes. So I'd like to dig a little deeper with that because obviously starting a real estate venture involves a lot of saving. And one of the ideas that you introduced me to is financial abstinence. So how do you balance financial abstinence, saving to put money into that, but then also having this financial abundance of putting money out? Is it that you're only investing things that align with your future vision and contribute to the greater picture that you're trying to bring? How do you balance the necessity of saving and the value of not constricting your financial bloodline? I would say the distinguishment would be to analyze if the purchase that you're going to be making is a need or want. And I think this is applicable on a case-by-case basis. You know, earlier in my years, it, it was purely a need versus want. I want, like, you know, a juicy ribeye steak, but I simply need food. So PB&J sandwich will simply do. I'll, I'll be alive the next day by eating that. So there is that abstinence that has to play a role financially there and last but not least if there is something that you ever want you must take on the idea of not needing it everybody loves approvals from other people the people that gets the most approvals are those who least wants it and the people that gets the least approvals are those that most wants it and again reflecting reflecting on my last four years i never gave a fuck about what anybody's approvals the biggest approval was my own approval. I didn't need any validation from somebody. I realized to not seek validation from others and that the only validation that I needed was from within. I discovered that early on when I was babbling my dreams and goals to the whole world that I soon discovered that there are some people that if they find out that you're going to do something significant, it is a reminder to them of why they are not fulfilling their potential. And I think what stems from that is envy and jealousy. And to even be envious or jealous towards somebody else, I personally believe that's an announcement to the world. You yourself can't do what somebody else is doing. So for instance, Aiden, you can bench 300 pounds. Why would I ever be jealous of you? Why not just say, you know what, too, you can do it too. Just go into the gym. Work on your way to 200 pounds and 250 and then 300 and just work your way up. There's no point in being jealous or harboring this, these negative feelings towards somebody else. Like if somebody's achieving massive success, there's no need to be jealous. Because by being jealous of that successful person, you're saying that you can't be successful either. Every human being is powerful in their own right and can achieve absolutely anything that they want as long as they put their mind into it. And one of the things that I've recently uh, learned was that this idea or concept of conscientiousness is, is really broken up into four parts, right? First you have is diligence. And diligence is synonymous with hardworking people. Now, if being a hard worker was the recipe for success, guess who would be the richest and wealthiest people? It'll be your busboys of the world, your construction workers of the world, your, your laborers of the world. But that's only 25% of the equation. The other part of the equation is organization. From my corporate accounting days, working in the big four, I've learned to be super organized. I've learned how to quickly pull up files if my manager or supervisor needed it, and I was highly efficient in that way because I was organized. I knew where everything was and I've modeled and have taken those skill sets and applied it to my current business and it's really helped out tremendously. Um, I, I just know where everything is at. Like every, things could just get lost in a shuffle. So organization. Uh, number three, I would say is 
perfectionism. So kind of want to stray away from being perfect because, you know, from the previous recording that we did, paralysis by analysis, you don't necessarily have to reach a perfect moment. But I think the key takeaway in perfectionism is striving towards it without being paralyzed in the process. So there's this concept of Six Sigma. I believe, you know, you make like six mistakes for every million decisions. If you think about your daily decisions that you make, you're probably making tons of decisions every day. And the whole idea is to minimize all of the bad decisions. And every single decision that you make every single day, every single week, every single month, which soon will lead to a powerful year, it's going to lead to a grand future that you're going to have. So definitely strive for to being perfect in the process, but do not compromise yourself by being paralyzed in the process. My last point, so we have diligence, we have organization, we have perfectionism, and the last point will be prudence. So are you walking in the right direction is how I want to describe it. You could be the hardest working person, but what if you were wired and programmed backwards, right? Now you're just a hard worker who's super organized and striving for perfection, but you're walking backwards. Now, if you were prudent, you'd be walking in the right direction. So that's so key here. And I think that's one of the key elements because I could have been the hardest working person in the accounting world or whatever industry that somebody works in. Uh, and I could have been super organized and, 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 and strive for perfection to be perfect. But I wouldn't be following in the right path that was meant for me if I wasn't prudent. So I, I think it's very important to exercise prudence in this process. So to simply break it down or recap conscientiousness is comprised of being diligent. It's uh, also being organized and it's also striving for uh, to, to be perfect, but then also exercising uh, the concept of prudence. And with all those four together, it's what is going to create the high level of success that I think a lot of young and aspiring folks, young or old, honestly, uh, to get to that next level. And yeah, I think that reminds me of this quote I've heard before. Practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So I think it talks about the importance about practicing the right principles, practicing the right habits, and being prudent and having that foresight in the right directions. And as you said it, asking yourself, am I walking the right path? So my biggest ideas and ideals from this whole social media realm is to not only educate and inform others through real estate education and to not only motivate and inspire others into taking action, but to also share my life story with them, whether it's on a personal level or with the real estate component to, to let them see that I'm just this normal guy who grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia and letting them know that if I myself can do it, then so can they, right? I don't have any super natural abilities. I'm not super intelligent by any means. I'm not super gifted. I just purely worked hard. I think this brings a good point in, I think it was Mother's Day, no, Father's Day. I had a one hour conversation with my mom and I found out that she was a Vietnamese refugee and she talked to me for an hour and it was, it was an unbelievable story. I, I think this ought to be documented in some sort of storybook. And this was even before I was born. I believe uh, this was around 1978 or 79. She told me that she was only 17 years old. She had knew my dad for about three to four years. They were dating. My dad had knew some folks who were, I guess, manning the boats that uh, my dad was able to get my mom and some siblings onto the boat. And it, this boat only fit about 200 people. My mom told me that she did not eat or drink for five days straight. There were people in the boat that would literally drink their piss. There were some people that would bring like this little small nuggets of candy on board and would like just put it in their mouth to like, you know, survive, of course. And I'm just thinking like very easily that boat could have been capsized and I could have been not alive today. And well, to go back to that story, she, I believe she ended up from Vietnam 
all the way over to the Philippines and then to Thailand and then over to Hong Kong. And during this journey, she told me that they were pirates, I believe from Thailand, and their boat was caught. She told me that her brother screamed and yelled at her, telling her to, to hide because uh, you know there were pirates. And she, my mom thought that she was being rescued and saved. They lined up every single female on the boat, one by one, stripped them butt naked. And my mom told me that she just prayed. She prayed really hard. And I think this explains why she's a very religious person. But I guess by the graces of God, luckily the pirates only stole the material items like the jewelry that was on board, but chose not to you know, rape anybody or kill anybody and, and let them be. And it finally took her an entire year between all that to finally arrive. And just hearing that story, it really broadened my perspective to realize like, wow, I could have easily not been alive. It really made me much, so much more grateful and blessed with where I am currently today, that I'm 30 years old in America, in the city of brotherly love, fully retired, being able to pursue all the passions and ventures that I have you know, in my mind, and wanting to create this legacy that in three, four, five generations from now, I'm gonna have a great, great grandson or granddaughter that's gonna say one day, where did this whole business come from? And his or her parent will say, well, all of this came from this so-called guy named Two Fam. And I wanted to create that type of legacy. I want to create that type of impact. Over the past few months, just seeing the legacy of Kobe Bryant, you know, what he has done over the 41 years of his life, his tenacity, his relentlessness, his, his ability to leave such a legacy behind that pulled so many people together. I want to create that same type of impact to create my so-called personal legend. Wow, man. Thanks for sharing. That's seriously such a powerful story. And we're so grateful for you to open up and share that on the Discover More podcast. Uh, as we're wrapping up, we really want to acknowledge you for not only reaching your goal of retiring before 30, but really believing in our vision. You were our first guest that really jumped on in the infancy of Discover More. So we really acknowledge and appreciate for everything that you've done for us. And we want to leave you with the open space to plug whatever you want. How can listeners connect with you? What can they look out for? Uh, so my Instagram uh, is 2fam918, T-U-P-H-A-M-M is Mary918. And uh, I will also be uh, starting up a YouTube channel. I'm not entirely sure when, but it's going to be called Easy to Invest, 2TU as my first name, Easy to Invest. Also, my LinkedIn is 2fam, my first name, T-U, last name, P-H-A-M, fam. Yep. As always, we will include all the information in the episode shows below so that you can find him and access his content and his amazing wisdom. And for two, as one of the co-hosts of this show, and we really do want to depict our utmost gratitude for you to believe in our vision. And we're tremendously excited to see the level of impact that you're going to uncover and continue to deliver on a elevated and a larger platform such as YouTube and social media. So... Thanks, too, for spending your Saturday afternoons with us, as always, and for us to signify the exact year since the birth of this platform and since you were able to deliver your objectives of retiring before age 30. So congratulations. Thanks for believing in us. And until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And it would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.